Before I, I go into a little message here, uh, I want to start off by addressing the last few years uh, since I've been here with the church. Uh, like Pastor said, um, I am leaving active duty military or military service of the Marine Corps, um, and uh, that'll be in 27 days and 14 hours. Um, but who's counting, right? Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I've been stationed here in California and been with this church now for almost exactly three years. Uh, it's been a very challenging time in, in a lot of ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, the Marine Corps put me in ways, or put me in situations and stretched me in ways that I hadn't even conceived of uh, prior to this time. Uh, and I, I've definitely struggled in, in the last several years with uh, things like depression, loneliness, uh, burnout, and frustration. Uh, those have been much more prevalent on my mind than they had in, in previous times. And I've been to some pretty hard places in my life uh, throughout that time. Uh, but <clears throat> there were three things uh, that have carried me basically through the, the last three and really even four years. Um, first was, and still is, the absolute perfect grace of God. Uh, there's no doubt or question in my mind that the key aspect of my continued existence in this world is the Lord's patience and his love for me. Um, I owe everything I am to the Lord's work in my life and the sanctification that he is still working in me. Uh, secondly is the support of this church and you all, the members of this body. Um, I'm so incredibly thankful for each and every one of you. Um, your prayers, your encouragement, uh, and the support have meant the world to me in the last three years. Um, the fellowship that I enjoyed with you all has been and will be can continue to be a great blessing to me uh, for the rest of my life. Um, and thirdly, my now wife, Katie, uh, for her support, prayers, uh, conversations, and staying up until 3 a.m. almost every single weekend uh, while I was on deployment talking with me. Um, and she has sacrificed so much and, and put up with so much. I'm so appreciative and thankful for her. This church has taught me so much through the preaching and teaching of the word. Um, Pastor Casey's biblical convictions and exhortations, uh, worshiping through hymns and songs, and the wonderful Christian fellowship here. Um, as we begin the transition back to Montana and getting plugged into our, our new church plant up there, we just started up about a year and a half ago, um, I'm eagerly anticipating getting involved there uh, and, and taking much of what I've learned here and practiced here up to that church as well uh, and, and increase the ministry at that church. Um, some of the lessons I just want to highlight real quickly that I've learned here and have continued to learn here even more acutely um, are firstly the importance of good Christian fellowship um, and loving others. Uh, secondly, is not delaying in getting to know people. I feel as if I've just started to get to know a lot of you better in just the last few months, and now we're leaving. Uh, and so, so let this be a challenge to all of you. Don't let people remain unmet uh, in this church. It's never too late to say hello, and it's never too late uh, to meet someone new or someone who's been here for a while. Um, I'm disappointed that I missed out on many opportunities to serve and to get to know you all better over the last three years. Um, but as hindsight is 2020, um, this is a challenge that I will continue to work on, uh, not give up, but even when we move on to Montana, uh, that I will be working on uh, with Katie uh, when we get up there uh, to know, get to know people in the church as quickly as possible. Uh, to not just wait and let for it naturally occur, but to, to physically engage uh, and get after it to be able to really invest in the body of Christ. Better late than never. And then lastly, not waiting for a need to appear in the church, but to seek out a way to serve. Um, all of us here have some kind of gift that is useful for the ministry of the church, whether it's nursery, music, maintenance, greeter, usher, uh, teaching, whatever. Seek to serve. Uh, don't wait to be asked. Take initiative and find a place where you can contribute to God's people. 
Um, I think 1 Peter 4 sums this up really well. It says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. So those are some of the most valuable lessons that the Lord has taught me since coming to Cal- here to Calvary. Um, <clears throat> but this evening, I'd like to share something uh, that the Lord has brought to my attention in my own life here in the last while. Um, for the last 18 months or so, basically ever since I got back from deployment uh, in September of 2022, uh, I have been largely existing at work, uh, pretending to care about things, uh, even though my eyes and my mind have been very forward-focused. Uh, it's been a struggle for me uh, to be able to care a lot about what's going on as the battalion continues to head on and I'm preparing to head off. Um, all too often, I've been able to give thought to is Montana and all the things that we're going to be able to do when we get there. Uh, I spent much of my time daydreaming about all the projects I'm going to do, the tools I'm going to buy, the trips we're going to go on, the people we're going to hang out with, uh, the church we can get invested in, and, and hanging out with family and things like that. I've been cruising through this time in California, trying to get the clock moving faster so I can get to the good part. Uh, I'm a little bit of a Lord of the Rings enthusiast, and uh, nearly uh, every time I read Return of the King, uh, I often find myself wanting to skip straight to the Battle of Pelennor Fields and skip past that part about Frodo and Sam struggling in the dead marshes on the outskirts of Mordor. I want to jump forward to my favorite part of the book, favorite parts with the heroes and the battles, and not dwell on Frodo's failures and struggles. Um, I've been the same way about my own life, wanting to skip to the part that I want the most and uh, the chapter of my life that I'm the most excited about, regardless of where the Lord has me at this time. This has led to a lot of wasted time and wasting precious moments and opportunities griping about the uncertain future. The lesson that I will never stop needing to learn and be constantly reminded of is don't waste your life. If you would, please turn with me to Matthew 16 in your Bibles. Uh, and then Matthew 16, and turn also to Ephesians chapter 5. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And then if you would, please turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. First, starting in verse 15. Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. These two passages are very descriptive uh, of the ramifications of how we are to live our lives. And throughout our time together tonight, I want to more clearly uh, address the impacts and importance of living a life for Christ. Our salvation is not based on our works, possessions, or status, but you better believe that how we spend our time on this earth will greatly affect both our ministry here, uh, but also how we will be held accountable for every minute that we've been given here on this earth. So tonight I want to analyze three questions about how not to waste our lives. First, what does God want for our lives? Secondly, how do we spend our lives wisely? And then thirdly, why is it worth it? So the first question I want to look at tonight is what does God want for our lives? Simply put, God wants our whole life. Period. End of statement. There are no verses in the Bible that say you can be a Christian and still live any way that you want to. You cannot pursue half holiness and half worldliness. Romans 6.13 says, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. In other words, do not let your sin take control of you in any capacity. We have been brought from death into life, and we are to live like it. Later in this chapter, Paul goes into more detail on this issue. In verse 18, he says, Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. We cannot be half-heartedly connected to God, choosing the parts of the Bible that we like, and ignore the parts that convict us or the parts that challenge us. Revelations 3, 15, and 16 say, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. C.S. Lewis once said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If this is true, if the Bible is true, it deserves everything we have. If it's not true, we should all pack up and go home right now. So it's either all or nothing. Either it will dictate every part of your life, or it is meaningless and you should do whatever you want. Many lukewarm Christians will say, well, I'll serve God in my own time, in my spare time, or I control my social life and my retirement, but God can have my spiritual life. That's the wrong answer. God wants the utmost devotion from us in every aspect of our lives. Common verse, or popular verse, Matthew 6, 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, ye cannot serve God and mammon. We physically, mentally, and spiritually cannot serve two masters simultaneously. There is no sitting on the fence. In fact, there isn't even a fence. It's a knife-edge cliff and an abyss. You are either safe on the top as a follower of Christ, or you are eternally falling into the abyss as a lover of the world. This world tells us daily that we need the next best thing, the newest gadget, the latest car, the biggest house, 
the better job, and so on. Never teach in contentment. Uh, if you would, please turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke addresses this uh, very adamantly. Um, Luke 12, starting in verse 16, uh, this, the parable uh, of the rich man as a great reminder of how time doesn't really change. Um, Jesus spoke this parable and uh, still applies just as much then as it did today. Um, Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This man in the parable is the quintessential American today. <laughs> we are all so engrossed with how to build up our own little kingdoms uh, in this world that we reduce or ignore the importance of living solely for Christ. So this is something that has been a struggle for me as well. Uh, the, the Bible is very clear and apparent, but the world speaks very loudly to try and drown out any truths that we might find in, in God's word. Uh, so I am often quite prone to want to control different aspects of my life. Uh, I'm fine with God controlling the weather, mostly, uh, family life, my relationships, the church, work, etc. But when it comes to things like my personal goals, uh, my finances, my hobbies, like I need to have control over those. Um, these aren't necessarily bad things on their own or in and of themselves, but God is adamantly opposed to those things taking precedence over him in my life. Uh, Luke chapter 9, 61 and 62 says, And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them, his family, farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So is God first in your life, or are you first in your life? Who is going to be your Lord and Master? Many of us find ourselves saying this, God, I will live for you, but first let me find someone to marry. Or God, I'll live for you, but let me first finish my school. Or God, I'll really serve you, but let me first get the kids out of the house. Or God, I'm really going to be on fire for you. I'm going to do it all, but let me first achieve financial independence. Let me first pay off my mortgage. Let me first build up my career. Let me first finance my kids' college education. And God says, if I'm not first, none of this is going to be from the right perspective. Again, these things are not wrong. They are not sinful to manage your finances and care for your children, your home, and your wife. But if those are placed precedence, then uh, you will be missing the whole point. If you would also turn uh, to Luke 14, a uh, man of, of much wisdom. Luke 14, verses 16 through 20 says, Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper, 
and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all went with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. The first individual used his acquisition of wealth and property as an excuse. The second one used his work as an excuse. And the third one used his wife as an excuse. So here's, again, my question for you. What excuse do you keep giving God for putting yourself first? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 sums up the answer to this question quite succinctly. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. The Bible gives us the answer. In everything you do, put God first and he will direct your path. God wants every part of us in full devotion to him. So the second question I want to ask you tonight is how do we spend our lives wisely? We can see um, why we need to do it, but how do we do it? What does it take to not waste our lives? How do we become all that God wants us to be? We all have the same 24 hours in a day. And as hard as we may wish or try, we cannot add a single hour to the day. So how we use the time that is given to us is important. Looking again at Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, see then that you walk circumspectly, circumspectly, or that in a way that is careful and avoids unnecessary risks, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. From this passage, we need to remember three critical principles. One, we need to use our time wisely. Two, our time is limited. And third, our time must be devoted to God. So how do we use our limited time wisely for God? Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the ESV says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Likewise, Hebrews 12.11 says, For the moment of all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So as all three of these passages illustrate, true devotion comes from God, through discipline and self-control. Discipline is simply delayed gratification, doing the hard things now in order to enjoy the good things later. All of us are very disciplined in some areas of our life. Some of us are very disciplined in our works and our careers. You plan your day, you're always on time, and you're conscientious in your work habits. Some of you are disciplined in your workouts and exercise regimes. Some of you ensure that you never miss an episode of your favorite show or never forget to brush your teeth before bed. We are all disciplined in the areas that we want to be. The things that are important to you, you will get them done. You will sacrifice other things in your life to accomplish what you desire. So we must be very careful that our desires in this life align with God's word and his will for us. James 4, 13 through 16 says, Go to now, 
Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is, e it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. What if you were as disciplined in having a daily quiet time as you are in not missing a meal or taking supplements? What if you were as disciplined in serving others as you are in getting up and going to work every day? What if you were as disciplined in attending church as you are in watching your favorite TV show? What are your habits? What are the disciplines of your life? What do you prioritize over everything else? The disciplines that you repeat over and over and over without even thinking about it. We all have good habits, but we all have bad habits. Wanting to change our habits is fairly simple, but making the change requires discipline. 1 Timothy 4 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. We need to prioritize the things in our life in a way that reflects God's priorities. C.T. Studd um, was a missionary in China with Hudson Taylor. Uh, he wrote a poem that I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, um, but well, throughout the poem he repeats the line, or the phrase, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. We get one chance to live our lives, and then the judgment. We will all stand before the throne of God himself and give an account for everything we did or failed to do on this earth. What does an unwasted life look like? A life that puts the infinite value of Christ on display for the world to see. Possessions are given to us so that by the way we use them, we can show that they are not our treasure, but that Christ is our treasure. Money is given to us so that we will still use it in a way that shows that money is not our salvation, but Christ is our salvation. The great passion of the unwasted life is to magnify Christ. Philippians 1, 20-21 says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The way we show the supreme worth of Jesus in our lives is by treasuring Christ above all things. And then making life choices that show our joy is not in the things of this world or even in other people, but in Christ alone. So the third question I want to look at tonight is, why is it worth it? Why should we make the effort to grow spiritually? There are many benefits to living a more spiritually focused life, both benefits right in your life right now and benefits forever and eternity. When things happen to you as you go through your life that challenge and provoke you, being constant in God's word and prayer will help you to overcome the challenges and obstacles uh, in your way and help you in the process of sanctification. But the reason above all others why we must devote our lives fully and wholeheartedly is because of the cross. Jesus gave his life for you, and he expects your life in return. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, 
but unto him which died for them and rose again. We are called unto Christ to be transformed from our old ways of sin and into the newness of him. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So are you going to leave this place throwing your lot in with the rest of the world, striving to minimize your suffering and maximize your comforts and security? Or will you say with Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain? Before his return to heaven, Jesus gave his apostles one final directive, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and to teach them to observe all that he had commanded them. The Great Commission will not be fulfilled by the people who place their possessions, their work, their comfort or security as their highest priority. God will get his work done in other ways without you. And he will say, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all these things be which thou hast provided? Then you will have wasted your life. But if your passion is to display the worth of Christ and treasure him above all things and risk and sacrifice for the display of his supreme value, then God will use you mightily. John Piper summarized this by saying, And over your life will be written the words, This life was not wasted. This life gladly displayed the glory of Christ, both in life and in death. So I want to look at a couple applications um, from, from these questions that we can take from here uh, and apply to our lives. I want you all to pause right now and take a good, hard look at your daily life. Think about what you do when you wake up in the morning until you go to bed at night. Think over your habits and the things that you value the most in this world. What things do you spend the most time on? What things do you daydream about in your spare time? Are you constantly wishing for more or different things in your life? First point of application is to find a habit to remove or reduce in your life. You know which ones I'm talking about. I can think of the ones, for me, very quickly off the top of my head. It's an eternal struggle to, to find those things and, and to work to remove or reduce them in my life. The, the thoughts that invade your, your, your mind on a repeated basis. The first thing you do when you wake up or the last thing you do before you go to bed. Take a good hard look and see what things are pulling you away from the things that really matter. Whether your habits are sinful or not, managing and prioritizing your time is essential. If you have sinful habits, then you need to deal with those. If you struggle with excessive time or devotion to things that aren't inherently sinful, but consume far more of your life than they should, make a plan to manage them. Set timers when watching your TV or being on your phone. Use people in your life for accountability. Or use a, a daily calendar to manage your time. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't give up. Do not quit. Do not wait until next January 1st to try again because you've already faded, your, all your good habits have already faded away this year. We will always fail. That is a, a guarantee in this life. We will always fail. But the key to the Christian life is to never give up. We will fall, and by the Lord's grace and mercy, we will and we must get back up again. Secondly, find a habit to add or reinforce in your life. Whether it is Bible reading, attending every church service, 
evangelizing to others, or serving in the church or your community. Seek ways to find, or seek to find ways to live a more Christ-centered life. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. All these things must take precedence in our lives. We don't need to necessarily live the lives of monks and nuns or remove ourselves into permanent isolation, but we do need to ensure that the most important things in our lives are the things of God. We cannot live a life of holiness and follow after Christ if we aren't living the way that he did on this earth. We must replace the things that we constantly go to with the things of God. When we wake up in the morning and before we go to bed at night, we should be focused on God's word and spending time with him. This leads me directly into third application point. Spend more time with God. How can we possibly know what God's will is for our lives and live in accordance with his word if we ignore him? In the same way, we wouldn't expect to be successfully complete an academic course by skipping all of the classes, ignoring the professor, and not reading the textbook. We have to spend time in the word, praying to God, and spending time with his people. And I'm not talking about once a week or once a month, but every day. We have to inundate ourselves in Christ, or we will succumb to the world. There is no third option. We are either in Christ, or we are in the world. This is the only way that he will allow us to continue to grow in him and give us the strength and per perseverance that we need to hold fast to him. Going back to Lord of the Rings for a moment, uh, in the same way that I want to skip past Frodo and Sam's challenges in Mordor, uh, as I've matured, I've realized that those are the most important parts of the story. Not just a simple excitement of the great and glorious things, but the daily struggle and continued perseverance of continually maintaining the same good disciplines and habits over and over again. We should be following the examples of Frodo, and especially Sam, with how they deal with the incredible obstacles placed in their way. Aragorn and Gandalf were great heroes, but Sam's refusal to quit and diligence to completion was the reason that the whole quest was successful. In the same way, the little decisions that we make on a daily basis will determine where our hearts lie. Matthew 6, 19 and 21 through 21 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust, rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Christian walk is hard. Scripture never promised an easy road for those who are devoted to him. In fact, quite the opposite. But it's okay. We have been given the tools that we need to complete this race through his word, prayer, and the local assembly of believers. And we have a perfect example to follow. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God, through his Son, experienced every temptation and struggle that we have, but he prevailed in his perfection and holiness. He knows that our hearts and our minds are weak, but it's not up to us to save ourselves. Deuteronomy 6.5 gives us the key to success. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. We can only finish this race and not waste our lives through the free gift of God's grace. 
The only way to not waste our lives is to live them wholeheartedly for Christ. John 4, 13 through 14 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him be, shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Only Jesus can provide true satisfaction and success in this life, not the world. The world will only leave you empty and needing more. Drinking of the water of this world will leave you thirsty, but if we drink of the water that Jesus gives, we will never be thirsty again. The key to not wasting your life is to live your life entirely devoted to God in everything that you do. The only way this can be done is by being a follower of Christ. If you have not given your life wholly to him, then you are guaranteed to waste your life. The way to finding true fulfillment and satisfaction in this life is to trust God with everything. That includes putting all of our decisions, relationships, possessions, and the entirety of our lives in God's hands. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's, that's a tall order. Um, so the question is yours. Are you going to throw away your life pursuing the things of this world? Or will you see Jesus Christ as the all-satisfying treasure of your life?